Living Time and the Integration of the Life by Dr. Morris Nickel. We're going to pick up, yeah, where we left off, of course. No, that's how I am. We left off with all things are in eternity, apart from visible creation. And he that does not see that time and space are fixed for us by the nature of our organs, our five senses, cannot move from the situation in which he is. Needless to say, most people on this planet are are not going to move from the situation in which they are. And that's fine because I don't have to deal with most people on the planet. I have to deal with you. And it's not have to so much as get to. So the next bit is we know that there are an infinite number of directions across a field. So you take a field, any field, field out in the back of our house, the field over to the left of our house, any field, there are an infinite number of directions across the field. So you go this way, this way, this way. But we have no idea of there being an infinite number of directions in time. This is another one of those paper people examples. It's like, okay, you got this field, and there's all these different directions you can go to cross the field. But in time, we only see it as from present to future. It's just one way. In the world beyond sense, that is in higher space, we must put all possible directions as psychological directions. So now we talk about time and we're talking about psychological directions. We're not just talking about physical directions. Just as in the space that we know we can imagine all directions of bodily movements. So on the field, we can imagine all directions of bodily movements. If the actualization of all possibilities or the fruition of all strivings are conceded to this higher space, so we put it all in higher space, all the stuff we can't handle here in physical, we say, okay, we'll just put that all in higher space. Now, that's just a place to put it for now, okay? So we've got all these possibilities, but we don't have anywhere to put them here in physical space. So let's just assign them to higher space, and we'll work it out later when we get there. Are you with me on this? It's a place to put it. It's like, you know when you're doing division and you carry a number? You just put it over here for now, and then you add it later. So that's what we're doing here. We're putting it in higher space for now. And it's funny because in long division, you put it above the other number. You just write this little number above the other number. We're doing that with this. Then not only are all possible forms of our own histories, but all possible forms of the histories of the world realized. So now we have the past. All of your history, all of your history, all of your history. So three different histories. Now add those, all these other histories in this room, and you've got all these histories. Now we have a place to put them in higher space where they exist, and they're all right there. Though we, with our physical limitations, cannot see them, they are there. They're in this higher space. Okay? Now the histories of the whole world can be in that higher space. What we know as history is not only living in time, as we said before, but is only one track in eon. What we know in history is just one way across the field. The looks on your faces are precious. <laughs> you're having trouble with this, aren't you? No, you're not having trouble with this. We're in the field. Okay, good. Yeah, you're in the field wandering the weeds. You can't fool me. <laughs> okay. So it's a line through all possibilities, which may be growing or degenerating at every point. Let's imagine this field, okay, just this field, the one behind my house. And let's say we stake it out. We put as many stakes as we can out there in a circle. And then we take a string and we run the string from one stake to another and that same string to every stake. Then the next string to every stake and the next string to every stake. 
So you're starting to see this. It's just too many to even count at this point. There's so many. Because let's say you've got 100,000 stakes. And now you run one stake to one stake, one string from one stake to one stake, so 100,000 times. Then you take the next stake and you do that 100,000 times. And the next stake, okay, you're starting to get it. No, of course, it wouldn't be 100,000 times. That's shorthand for nine, well, whatever, 999,999, whatever. I'm not good at math. I've said this a million times. You already know this, so you're just going to have to make up for my lack. So now take one of those lines. Your past is one of those lines through that field. Your past is another one of those lines. The world's past is another. But take all of those pasts, and what they will be is all these strings from one stake to another stake. That's all they'll be. They'll just be one line through that field. Yes. Now, that line will be very thick because it'll be all these different lines together. But they'll still be just one line through all the possibilities, which may be growing or degenerating at every point. From this point of view, all manner of forms of the world are already realized and are always being realized, and we know only one of these, just as we know only one track or one form of our own lives. The track which we are following is one of the realizations of our lives surrounded on all sides by other realizations. So we are traveling from one stake to another stake across this field on the string. But all of the other stakes are all possibilities for us. They're all possibilities of getting across that field. To follow another track would mean that we realized, as ordinary beings, another set of possibilities. So we realized one of the other ways across the field, which are always realized, only we are not conscious of them. So somewhere on a higher level, this is all realized. It's all real. Realized means real. It's all real. It's all really there. It's just that we're not conscious of it. Like, for example, right now, there's something going on in the world that you're not conscious of. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of somethings going on. And you'll read it in the news tomorrow. And what will you read in the news tomorrow? Just a sliver of what happened that you were not conscious of. What he's saying is, that's the way everything is for us all the time, because we are almost completely dead, asleep, unconscious to all the possibilities and to everything that is actually going on. In this respect, we put the idea of another world too far away. The other world is not far away. It's right here, right now. But we're so unconscious that we can't get that. Like for us, right here, right now is so limited to right here, right now. But right here, right now is this world. You know that right here, right now is this planet. That right here, right now in Mexico or Saudi Arabia or China, there's stuff going on with billions of people. And it's all right here, right now. Meaning right here on this planet, right now at this moment. But you know almost nothing. You know so little about it that you could say you know nothing about it. It would be fair to say we know nothing. And when they tell us in the news about this or that tomorrow, they will pick and choose. Editors pick and choose because there'll be so many things that they will have to pick that we can't tell them all. We'll just have to pick this or this. And they will pick the things that serve them, of course, or serve their masters. They're usually political masters because that's where the power is. And wherever the power is is where the money goes. And wherever the money is, that's where people go. They'll follow that. So that, that money is their master, and they will follow their master, and the people with the power are the ones who can get the money. 
So they will end up following the political leanings or the political agenda because that's where the money's at, because that's where the power's at. And if that's too hard for you, then just go back to sleep and it'll all be fine. You'll just go back to being a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or some other idiot that listens to some other idiot tell you what's so, and you'll believe it and you'll do whatever you do. And you can go back to sleep and not have to think and not have to make decisions and not worry about the old wicked world that's going to do whatever it does anyway with or without you. So that's not what this is about. This is about trying to understand just what sleeping idiots we really are. We think either of this known world or a next world, a world hereafter. That's it for us. It's either this world or there's another world that when you die, you go there. We should think first rather of another direction close to us that always starts from now, of which we continually catch glimpses, for often we stand on the edge of new meaning. This is so true. You stand on the edge of new meaning more than most people in the world. And the reason you do is because I'm always pushing you to the edge and because I'm always trying to expose you to new ways of looking at things. Even if it's just a little shift, it's a new way of looking at things. And that is what gives you new meaning. That is what makes your life more meaningful. You have imagined, each and every person in here has imagined what your life would be like without the past 25 or 30 years here. And you look at it and you think it would not be good. We're talking Sunday, I guess. Jess and I were talking and he said that we were not here for him when he went through a certain thing. And I said, you know, you're wrong about that. We were here for you in the way you needed, not the way you wanted. And that's the truth about everything all the time for us, for all people. You get in life what you need, not what you want, if you are on a path. If you're not on a path, if you're just wandering in the weeds like everybody else on this planet, then you get what you get. And it probably is what you need, but you'll never acknowledge it. It's only when you become conscious that you are on a path, that you are guided, that you are under authority, that you have the good sense, and it's not all the time, but you could have the good sense to see that what you get is what you need, not what you want. It's a bitter pill to swallow sometimes because we don't like what we need. We like what we want. But if we always had what we wanted, we'd be like spoiled children, always getting what they wanted. And look at what happens to, look at what happens to these poor people in Hollywood who make all these millions and millions of dollars there's a Hollywood, a Beverly Hills home for sale, the most expensive home in the country, $195 million. Yeah, and let me tell you just how happy that person is. Just as happy as everybody else. Just as happy as It's just the same. The only difference is their mortgage payment. And there's no real difference there either because they just make more money. And when you make more money, you have more people taking it. You know, Solomon said that. The more you have, the more people eat at your table. In other words, the more you give out. But we can never figure that out because we are always looking at, this isn't it. It's got to be some other way for me to be happy. Well, actually, this is it. And you could be happy right now. You could be ecstatic right now if you had the right attitude. But if you're going to say, well, you weren't there for me and you didn't do this and it didn't do that, you're not going to be happy. And you know, it's funny, when I looked at Jess's face, when he said that, I thought he wasn't happy. And I thought, one, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care whether you think I was there for you or wasn't there for you. I know the truth. And because you don't know the truth, just makes you ignorant. That's all. It just makes you ignorant. It doesn't make you anything else. It doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't make you bad. It just means you're ignorant. 
you could find out, but you'll never find out as long as you think you're right. Ever. As long as you think you're right, you'll hold on to what you think you know, and you'll never find out anything else except accidentally. And is that really the way you want to live your life? Maybe finding out something accidentally. Or do you want to open your mind and find things out on purpose because you want to expand your consciousness, because you want to grow, because you want to let go of the past, because you want to let go of your limitations. It's not easy letting go of limitations. Those are our safety nets. That's our security. It's not easy for us to sing a new song. We like our old song. Ain't it awful? Look what they did to me. That's a beautiful song. We sing that to ourselves day and night. But it's very limiting. So it's your choice. You do what you want. We should think first rather of another direction close to us that always starts from now, of which we continually catch glimpses, for often we stand on the edge of new meaning. There is no other real starting point but now. These people who are going to do it tomorrow, manana, the disease of manana, they're never going to do it. Manana is always a day away. The only real starting point is now. But we start always from imagination. Eternity enters into now, and of now we will speak later. And it is with eternity that we must connect all other real possibilities. The reality of the universe is eternity. It's eon. Everything that we see is some kind of stepped-down manifestation of that. It's a sketch of that, a drawing of that. It's not the real thing. But living in imagination, we regret yesterday, look forward expectantly to tomorrow. So we run in time, seeking completion. We make no attempt to create any horizon above time, but now we are doing that. And it's not easy, is it? We have no idea of an already existing all. In fact, having that idea introduced to us hurts our heads. And it conflicts with our belief system. It conflicts with our ideas of the way the universe is. It upsets us. And if you're not willing to be upset, you're not listening anymore. These podcasts, Living Time, are not very popular. And I can tell you why. It's too much effort. It is way too much effort. People are not going to do this. And the few who do, it's going to be hard work. And if they can stick it out till the end, well, good for them. But there are not going to be many. To struggle out of time, out of the flow of becoming, some point beyond it must be so real to us that we begin to see other orders and possibilities of existence. None of the ordinary knowledge that we train ourselves in will assist us in this. And this is very discomforting. This is scary stuff. Your whole world is being, essentially, you're asked to give up your world and accept some other world that you can't fully see yet. You see, know, it's like going from one grade to an extra, from one school to another, an army brat. You know, somebody whose father's in the army, or the navy, or the marine corps, or the air force, who moves around a lot. Some kid will understand this. It's not fun going from one school to another country and another school. You leave all your friends behind, everything that you know. You leave it all behind and you go to something you don't know. That's what you're being asked to do. And that's what you're being asked to do over and over and over again in this work. And so it's understandable why people don't want to do it and people won't do it and people can't do it. Because it takes a certain level of being to be able to even attempt to do this. And most people on this planet do not have that level of being. How do I know that? How do you know that? Do you know it? Most people aren't here. Most people that you know could not be here. They couldn't do it. Which tells you two things. One, the quality of the kind of people you're around. And two, what there is out there. 
there isn't much. That all possibilities exist, only we follow one line through them, is put in the following way, following way by Ospensky. Time does not exist. I love Ospensky in that. Time does not exist. First, he kicks you in the face to get your attention. Time does not exist. There exists no perpetual and eternal appearance and disappearance of phenomena. No ceaselessly flowing fountain of ever-appearing and ever-vanishing events. You must admit, this is what time is for us. Everything exists always. There is only one eternal present, the eternal now, which the weak and limited human mind can never grasp and conceive. Now see, here's the rub. You have to admit you have a weak and limited human mind. And your pride and vanity will never allow that unless you kick it to the curb a few times. Now, you have kicked it to the curb a few times, so you can admit that you have a weak and limited human mind. But look at how long it's taken you to get there. And you can't remember it for two days. You can remember it now that I'm reminding you, but in an hour, you'll think you're the god of the universe again. You'll think that the whole world should do what you want it to do. When somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic, you'll be upset with them because they did that. How could they pull into your lane and do that to you? So trust me when I say you're asleep and you're an idiot. Not an idiot because you're awake, but an idiot because you're asleep. And this is what sleeping people do. They turn into idiots. We are all that way. But Ospensky says, but the idea of the eternal now is not at all the idea of a cold and merciless predetermination of everything for an exact and infallible pre-existence. See, and this is what religion does. Christianity does. They say it's all predetermined. So those who are going to be saved, it's already predetermined. And those who are not going to be saved, who are prepared for destruction, are already predetermined. Yeah, but they make it this merciless predetermination of everything, of an exact and infallible preexistence. It would be quite wrong to say that if everything already exists, if the remote future exists, it means that there is no life, no movement, no growth, no evolution. See, we can't grasp this because our minds are so limited by this one piece of string that goes from here to there. People say and think this because they don't understand the infinite and want to measure the immeasurable depths of eternity with their weak and limited finite minds. And, as I said, this is very difficult for arrogant people, proud people, people who think they know something, will not admit they have weak, limited minds. And if they do admit it, they don't admit it like this. Of course, they're bound to arrive at the most hopeless of all possible solutions of the problem. Well, when you have such a limited mind, of course you're going to come out with a hopeless solution. Because you can't see anything else. The real world is a world of infinite possibilities. This is not a negative teaching. This is a positive teaching. The real world is a world of infinite possibilities. Our mind follows the development of possibilities always in one direction only. We can only see it. The possible is here in the future. Is here right now. We're here in the future. Yes? But in fact, every moment contains a very large number of possibilities, and all of them are actualized. Only we don't see it and don't know it. So all of them are actualized. We can't even imagine that. All the possibilities are actualized. They all actually happen. They're all real. They're all actualized. We think, but that can't be. Because only one thing can happen at a time. This is why the scientists had such a hard time with subatomic particles. One subatomic particle existing in two places at the same time. It just made their minds tilt. They had to make up a whole new world. See, that's what scientists do. It's called scientific theory. What that means is they make up a new world to somehow fit what they're seeing. 
you understand what I'm saying? They make up a theory that fits what they're seeing that they don't understand. Doesn't mean it's real, doesn't mean it's true. Like the Big Bang Theory. Well, that's a fact. <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing that anybody could say. Creation. Well, that's a fact. That's the most ridiculous thing that anybody could say. There are no facts. Not to us, because our minds cannot comprehend reality. Because reality is infinite and our minds are finite. I'm not going to labor this anymore. We always see only one of the actualizations, and in this lie the poverty and limitation of the human mind. But if we try to imagine the actualization of all the possibilities of the present moment, then of the next moment, and so on, we shall feel the world growing infinitely, incessantly multiplying itself and becoming immeasurably rich and utterly unlike the flat and limited world we have hitherto pictured to ourselves. This is the hermetic thing. There is no past, there is no future, it all is now. This is the exercise that helps you to grasp this, to expand your consciousness, to expand your mind, to expand your thoughts, your feelings, your ability to see things in a new way, to get new meaning. Having imagined this infinite variety, we shall feel a taste of infinity just for a moment, and we'll understand how inadequate and impossible it is to approach the problem of time with earthly measure. Now, this isn't going to happen for you anytime soon, but you can step on the path now and start to move in that direction. We shall understand what an infinite richness of time going in all directions is necessary for the actualization of all the possibilities that arise each moment. We shall feel that the world is so boundlessly large that a thought of the existence of any limits in it, a thought of there being anything, whatever, which is not contained within it, will appear to us ridiculous. Well, clearly... We're not there, but it's a direction we can move in. And that's all we're being asked to do. That's from a new model of the universe. With eternity, Ospensky connects a fifth dimension, calling it a second dimension of time. Ultimately, he sees the universe as six-dimensional, as having three dimensions of time and three dimensions of space. The line of fulfillment of one set of possibilities is a line in time. Now, a surface is infinity for a line because a surface can contain an infinite number of lines. But a surface is two-dimensional, so that thinking in this way, eternity in comparison with time is as a surface to a line. Everything we know, everything we recognize as existing lies in the line of the fourth dimension. The line of the fourth dimension is the historical time of our section of existence. This is the only time we know, the only time we feel, the only time we recognize. But though we are not aware of it, sensations of the existence of other times, both parallel and perpendicular, continually enter into our consciousness. Deja vu is one example. These parallel times are completely analogous to our time and consist of before, now, after. Whereas the perpendicular lines, perpendicular times, consist only of now and are, as it were, cross threads, the woof in the fabric in their relation to the parallel lines of time, which in this case represent the warp. I don't know if you're following this or not. It looks like you're not. But think of a piece of cloth. It has lines that go this way and lines that go this way. They're called woof and warp, and they are perpendicular to one another. That's all he's talking about. If you can see it that way, look at the possibilities with a tapestry. All it is is lines going this way and lines going that way. But look at the incredible possibility and texture all the stuff that can happen. That's what he's saying. 
In order to understand how from every moment of time possibilities branch off in every direction, it's necessary to add a sixth dimension. And this is just like, well, it's not bad enough. We're like the two-dimensional paper people. They add a third dimension and our brains are ready to explode. That a fourth dimension is like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe. That a fifth dimension is like, ng, 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 ng. At a sixth dimension is like, tilt. That is a third dimension of time. Time then becomes a three-dimensional space above our known space. In the same way that the paper people have a third dimension above their known space of two dimensions, and that's where the pencil comes through, but they can only see this cross-section, but... We, being in the third dimension, can see the whole pencil. It's like that. Only extrapolate that out. Ospensky explains the hieroglyph of the two superimposed triangles in reverse, called the Seal of Solomon. And you would see it as the Star of David. As a representation of the six-dimensional universe. One triangle representing the three known dimensions of space, and the other the three invisible dimensions of time. Every object we perceive in space extends into the three dimensions of time apart from its visible extension in space. In some cases, we see the time bodies of things, that is, electrons, as solid matter, but they're not. The complete figure of everything is six-dimensional. So what we're seeing is just half of what's there, and it's a very limited half. We're seeing three dimensions. So there are three dimensions that we're not seeing at all but that we sense from time to time in one way or another. We live and think and exist on one of the lines of time. Clearly, we can see that. We're only on one of the lines of time. We think, we live, we exist on that line. But all the other lines are there, and we exist not as we know ourselves, but as we are on all those other lines right now. But the second and third dimensions of time, that is, the surface on which this line lies, and the solid in which this surface is included, enter every moment into our life and into our consciousness and influence our time. I was talking to somebody, well, I was emailing somebody, and I was talking to her about what she liked about herself. She gave me the whole list that people always give when you ask them what they like about themselves. Well, they can do this, and they can do that, and they have this talent and that talent. After she listed all this, she said, that's probably not what you want. Right, but you've got to clear it off the deck first before you can get underneath it to what's real. And then she went into her qualities, what she actually liked about herself. Not what she could do, but what she liked about herself. And I read all that and said, well, that's true, all of that stuff, you know, that's right, that's what I was looking for. So in the next email, I said, now I would like you to put your character defects. She did the same thing, gave me a list of things that she did that she didn't like, and then gave me a list of things that she is. So we always start off with doing, and then we finally run down to being. So when I ask you, what do you like about yourself, you'll tell me what you can do. And then if I keep pressing you, you tell me what you are. But you won't find as many things that you are that you like about yourself as the things that you are not that you don't like about yourself. That's neither here nor there. My point is that there are two things right there, doing and being. And the third thing we'll add is having. And I've run this by you before. We live our lives have, do, be. We live our lives backwards. We think if we want to be a ballerina, we have to go get a tutu and toe shoes and like that. And then after you have those things, then you do what ballerinas do, which means you go to 
the little thing and you get in front of the you know, a parallel bar and a mirror and you do the exercises that ballerinas do after you have the things that ballerinas have. And eventually you will be a ballerina. But the way life actually works is be, do, have. There are people who are ballerinas. Then they end up doing the things that ballerinas do. And eventually, they end up having the things that ballerinas have. That's the way that life actually works. But we work it backwards. Have, do, be, instead of be, do, have. So that's what this is. In some cases, we see the time bodies of things, that is, electrons, as solid matter. The complete figure of everything is six-dimensional. We live and think and exist on one of the lines of time. But the second and third dimensions of time, that is, the surface on which this line lies and the solid in which this surface is included, enter every moment into our life and into our consciousness. So she was talking about how psychologists say that, or psychologists, the shrink types, would say that she gets the kind of men in her life like her father, that that's where it comes from. And she said that she makes her choices from that. And I said, you don't make choices. You have no choice about what kind of person you're going to attract. You attract the people you attract for some unknown reason, because these are other things operating on you that you are not aware of. You know, why is it that you're attracted to this person and not that person? Well, because this person reminds me of mother or father. God, give me a break. You can't narrow everything down like that. There are some things that you just don't understand. And it's because there's all this stuff interacting with you and acting on you that you do not know about. And that's what he's talking about. Enter every moment into our life and into our consciousness and influence our time. In thinking of the time solid formed by the lines of all the possibilities included in each moment, we must remember that beyond these, there can be nothing. This is the point which we can understand as the limitedness of the infinite universe. From this point of view, full space-time is a higher space of six dimensions with a space of the actualization of all possibilities. This six-pointed star, or Seal of Solomon, is the representation of this space-time, or period of dimensions. The three space dimensions and the three time dimensions in unity, where everything is everywhere and always. This is a lot. I admit, this is a lot, and this is difficult, but it's not impossible. And how you get this is a little bit at a time. How you don't get this is throwing in a towel, being discouraged, and saying, I'll never understand this, I don't get this. Of course you don't get it, I don't get it. Ospensky didn't get it, Nickel didn't get it, Gurdjieff didn't get it. Nobody gets it. Do you get that nobody gets it? This is a process. This is a process. It's like, if you've been to the airport in San Francisco where they have the people movers, you stand on the thing and it, it's a moving sidewalk and it moves you. Well, there's some people who stand and they hold on to the rail and they just stand there. And they're the people who want to walk by. So it's moving, but they walk as well. So they go faster, a lot faster, and they just pass the people who just stand there. This is like that. This is like you're on the moving walkway. Now, you can get off, because they have these little sections where you can just get off, or you can go backwards, or you can walk forward. If you're willing to make the effort to stay on it, that's one thing. If you're willing to make the effort to stay on it and walk, that's another thing. It's a process. If you stay on it, it will get you to where you want to go. If you walk while you're on it, it will get you to where you want to go faster, but you will have to make effort. Either way, you're going to have to make effort because everything in the universe 
everything in the world, not in the universe. Everything in the world is going to try to get you to get off it. It's going to try to get you to go to the movies. It's going to try and get you to go to the bathroom or the food court or over here or over there. Or Oh, I have to make a phone call. Everything is going to try and get you to get off this because it has a different goal for you. Just like we have different goals for cows than cows have for cows. See, a cow just wants to go and eat grass and mate and have babies and do this and do that. Cow just wants to do that. We want to fatten the cow up, kill it, and make hamburgers of it and steaks. So it's a completely different agenda. The world has a cow agenda for you. It wants to kill you, make steaks and hamburgers and whatever of you. And you have a cow agenda for you. You just want to have a nice peaceful life and live as long as you can and eat as much grass as you can and mate as much as you can and just have what you want. And the world is moving you in a different direction. And if you're just a stupid cow, you're just going to be eating the grass. You remember when they came to kill the cow over your house? They threw some hay down and the cow went out to eat the hay, put his head down and they put a bullet in his head. Was that about how it worked? Now, if you want to be a stupid cow, you'll get a bullet in your head and you'll never know. And you'll end up on somebody's table. And whose table doesn't really matter because you won't be there. But if you want to walk this path, you're going to have to keep your head up. You're going to have to keep moving. You're going to have to make effort. And you're going to have to see the bigger picture. If you do that, it's not going to be easy, but it will be rewarding. If you don't do that, you're going to have a happy life until you die. And then you'll die like a dog or a cow or whatever. And that'll be that. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just a matter of what do you want. Truth is everything.